Alright, welcome to the Oh Yes Podcast. We got our boy Mike Alessante up in the crib. We've known Mike for a very long time. Mike is a manager to the stars, if you will. <laughs> to the trap gods of the world. He Pray manages, to the trap gods. manages artists like Effin Company, Mike Lasanti Incorporated. Um, yeah. What's up, man? How's your day going? Pretty good. Just um, kind of in between, you know, Coachella dates here in LA in between. So yeah. So you were when we met you, you were you were an artist, actually. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing that's interesting that you told me and like I'll, I'll let you like explain what you meant by it. But like you were doing the artist thing. You guys were you had traction. Like when we met you, you guys had some good traction. You had a good mm-hmm. agent. You were releasing on the right labels. You had the good remixes. But you told me that one day you like kind of looked at the project from a manager side and you were like, I don't know that I would sign myself. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the deciding factor for you to be like, I think I'm going to like go into the business side of things and like stop being an artist because I don't know that I would sign myself. And I found it so interesting that you were able to look at it from an outside perspective like that because I don't think a lot of people could. What did you like? What what like struck that chord where you were like, oh, like I don't I don't know that I would sign myself. I think it's a it's a lot of is a lot of factors, but I think, you know, after, you know, you know, working on, you know, various radio shows and, you know, working, you know, day job in it at like, you know, like record labels and stuff. I think it just came to a point to where I knew too much maybe at the level I was at. Um, not, not like a, like a horn tooting sort of thing, but it was just kind of like shit. Like I, you know, I I don't know. You know, I remember I had this moment where I I kind of realized what it took to become like a, a, a top career artist. Um, and I, I didn't enjoy producing music enough to like be stacking, you know, 10, always be sitting on like, you know, a huge bank of music. Yeah. Right. And, you know, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I love, I love making music. I, you know, I like helping my guys out where they need it, you know, for like sonic notes and stuff, but you know, stacking that much content all the time. Like you really got to love it. You yeah. Know? Like you really, I, I, when I, we met you, it was clear that you and you, you produced music and you were really good at producing music, but you got more kick out of the business side oh, of music, yeah. you uh-huh. know? And I feel like, a, like a lot of artists, you know, like I personally like the business side, mm-hmm. like I love making music, but something about the business side of music gets me fucking riled up. You know what I mean? Like I, I just like, I just like it. It's, mm-hmm. it's an exciting adventure sure. compared to like making it, which I like making it too. But when it's done and we get to start planning, that's like my favorite part. Yeah. You know, but you know, you're also the, the face of a, of a, of a project that, you know, a lot of people, including yourself would sign as a manager. Right, you know right, what right. I mean? So I was a, you know, I, I, I just took a really realistic standpoint of the project I had. And I was like, Shit, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. good. Like that's a that, <clears throat> that's a hard thing to do. Like kind of yeah. take yourself out of the situation by putting yourself on the out, like looking into it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is it's crazy that you were able to do that. It's good. It's good. Yeah, advice. yeah, very good advice. For so sure. you pick up Tyne. Tynan's your first. Well, you had Izzy. I remember Izzy. Yeah, I had Izzy. Izzy had some traction. We did a song with Izzy actually. Yeah, and he was going good. And I feel like he. I feel like he just didn't want to continue down his path or like what happened there? You know, I mean, I I think a lot of it just comes down to like how much you need to be a, a, you know, like 
really active on social media and stuff. Right. And they're, you know, in the beginning it's cool, but after a while, it, you know, you really, it's really a full-time gig, yeah. you know? And so I don't know, that's really kind yeah, of like some people there. hate it, man. Some people yeah. really don't like social media. Yeah. I mean, he's a great producer. Like, you know, we, he's still, you know, producing for a lot of people. He's, you know, a good friend, but he's not, you know, like a full, like a full-time client. At the right. Moment. Right. So you, um, so you pick up Tynan, Tynan's like starts kind of popping yeah, and it, doing his thing. And then, so you use that to like, well, this was facilitate other artists or like, how does, how do you grow your roster? So this was the, the beginning of the partnership. So Tynan started to make some moves, you know, and then I started having conversations with company. Are you just finding these kids on like SoundCloud or like how, like, how do you find a company? I started hearing about company. Yeah. Uh, he was one of those guys like, uh, you know, he used to be one of those guys who would play with like bear grills all the time, like, you know, with Wooly and all, right. and all those guys. And, you know, I, I heard that he didn't have management and, you know, he was so like tightly wound with this like crew with like Wooly and all those guys. And it wasn't really in anyone's face that he didn't have a manager. Right. So I, I just hit him up and asked and he said he was available. So we had a conversation for a few months. Then I brought a, you know, a, a never say die EP to the table after a meeting with TJ over at the label in Amsterdam. And then, man, now he's like one of the main never yeah, say die guys. I love his shit. It should have oh, He's so good. He's yeah, he's great. So how do you like, so with, I feel like with bass music and honestly, I mean with house music too, I guess, but with bass music, because it's, it's not based so much on melody. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit harder. I feel like to like listen to a company song or listen to a Tynan song or listen to and know who you're listening to. So how do you approach like separating like a company from bear grills? You know what I mean? Like, like, like obviously he's not wearing a bear mask, but like how yeah, yeah. Well, like, that's, that's the thing. So with, with bass music, a lot of it comes down to, I mean, right now, cause it is really saturated. It comes down to being, you know, as loud as you can with your brand. Look at artists like Subtronics, um, Sudden Death, um, peekaboo, you yeah. know, all those guys, you know, they all have their own thing going on, but it falls under that umbrella. They're all really loud in their own way. And I mean, if you, you know, if you were to go to, you know, company's story, he's, you know, he's really loud too. Now, you know, he's, he's got like silver hair and he's it's like off to the side, all crazy. <laughs> and, you know, he's like getting, you know, he's starting to, you know, get, you know, he's just on it. Yeah. You know, he's, he's getting more down with the culture. Is that and that's, something that you're as a manager from the outside, are you like, pushing them to do it? Or are they doing it on them better? Oh, so you're like, pushing you're like actively like, yeah. Hey, you're man, like, you'll find your, your own way to be crazy. Like, yeah. Yeah. I had a meeting with, with, with Steve Gordon about it. You know, he obviously runs, you know, the, the, the dance department over at, you know, UTA with, yeah. you know, gimbal. And he was, he was saying, you know, he made some notes a while ago, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, I feel like, you know, company should, uh, you know, maybe be a little louder. And so, you know, really ever since then we've really stayed on it. Yeah. You know, I've always been like on it, but like, you know, I didn't really understand how loud he had to be. And now well, it's, it's like really Steve Gordon gives you advice. You're like, okay, we got to really, he's popped off one or two artists. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's helped a couple guys in the industry. Steve Gordon's yeah. the loudest guy on social media that you could ever have. He has a yellow fucking McLaren with, yeah. with Smurf yeah. blue rims. Yeah. So that guy knows about being loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, just that little bit of advice we've been running with and, you know, it's, it's really helped company keep his moment going, you yeah. know, cause it's all d different moments that we're fighting really to just is, keep yeah. rolling, you know? I think that's so. one thing a lot of, a lot of kids ask us that like I've noticed now as an artist is they're like, what was that moment? Right. And you're like, there isn't, there isn't a moment. It's like a million moments. Yep that make up your career. Mm -hmm. It's it's a show on ABC called a million little things. It's yeah. not one thing. 
it's a million things, but it really is. You know what I mean? It's like you got to play this festival, but all that means is that next year, hopefully you did well enough to get a better slot yeah. and then a better slot. And then maybe like there isn't like one defining there's couple, thing. There's a couple exceptions there. There's, there's only really like one thing that can be the one thing is if you have like a levels or like a humongous hit that like, that's like the only thing you can really say is right. like, that was it for me. But everything else is like, yeah, it was, you see that like little stepping stones. Like, okay, but, we just yeah. did Coachella but, on yeah. this, this stage. Of we course. just did, you know, EDC on the art cart, whatever the little thing may be like to keep going and going. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. even the big ones, like, you know, like say levels or something like that's undeniable. But at the same time, like you need a team to like keep that wave yeah, exactly. going. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, cause there have been, you know, big, big hits in the past or, you know, the teams or the artists, or, you know, one, one weak link in the chain didn't keep it going. And that perfect storm per se wasn't so perfect. Yeah. I mean, we, we know guys that had some of the biggest songs and dance music yeah. ever. And like, they can't get a show now. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, they just, yeah. it just mm -hmm. didn't kind of pan. So like moving forward, like, what do you, like, what's the plan? What do you guys do to go from like being a direct support act? Who's like on the cusp to like, no, he's a full fledged fucking headliner. Like, do you have to start saying no to shows? Are you pairing them? Like, so what's the, what's the move? A lot of it comes down to the power of path, obviously saying no to shows. Um, and then, you know, it's really, I'm starting to run into he's it's, it becomes, you know, with direct versus, you know, say like lower than direct, it, it comes down to just having the tour history. Right. And so, you know, yeah, we're going to launch guys like companies, headliners. Um, but we're going to take this year to really go hard with the tour history because then it becomes undeniable. Yeah. Meaning know? like, like putting them in the market. Yeah. The, yes. si the size plus the history equals moving up. Right. You know? So, exactly. um, that's the move there. Champagne drip. He's, we, we have a headline tour. We're going to announce, you know, we'll be announcing soon. Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I saw that you were doing is like pairing your guys too up for like festivals. Oh yeah, the the B2Bs, you know, I have my guys Effin's going to be doing something with company. Um So you're just trying to create kind of like a like a umbrella that they can all be under like fucking with each other, like yeah. kind of like a crew. Yeah, you know, the, the the guys that I rock like on say on like on my, you know, on I'm saying like on my Instagram bio or whatever, like the guys that I actually say that I, that I officially manage. Um, there's been like multiple approvals from all my artists. Right. I'm going to make sure they rock each other. Do you, do you like, like if you're going to pick up a guy, do you like call your guys and go like, yo, I'm thinking about these guys. Like, do you, do you get a feel for what they feel about it? Do you? Yeah. I, I, I like, there's just you know, a lot of moving parts when it comes to, um, you know, working with an artist and, and obviously, um, getting feedback from, you know, other artists who you respect and that are, you know, even better under your own umbrella, like is the best way to do it. Yeah. In my opinion, at least in the base world, you know, when I start expanding more like outside of the, the genre, which will eventually be someday, um, you know, it'll be maybe a little different, but, but for now, yeah, yeah. I feel like bass is like super clicky. You know what I mean? Like, like not in a bad way. It's just like realistically in bass music, it's like who fucks with you is what makes you big. It's like mostly they only, their only friends are other bass artists. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, real, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, Dude, it's, we it's tell, like a we tell, we tell like, like the Europe, cause obviously like our crew is more the European guys. We tell them that we're friends with like some of the bass guys they are like, those guys talk to you, man. We're like, yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. It's a weird thing. How how many artists do you have right now? So I have five uh official clients. Um yeah. And when so, you say official, like guys that you're guys like guys that are signed. Yeah. yeah so I've, like every so like you have artists that you're maybe like 
I have teetering, developing, I have like some developments, some guys that I help with their releases. So um, how does that work? So you like find a guy and he's just not quite there yet. And you're like, I'm going to help you get to the point where I would manage you or like, what's that conversation? I like, mean, kind of like? the workflow doesn't really change so much. It just comes down to like, it's almost like trial period type stuff. Cause I'm so on the ground with my guys, you know, I send them notes. I want to make sure they're stacking content properly. Um, you know, it's just like anything before you announce something, you want to make sure that things are, everything's like running smoothly, you know, right. on both ends say, you know, if I want to make sure that whatever service I'm providing is good for them. I want to make sure that they're giving me the, you know, the, the putty to play with per se, yeah, you know, yeah. like how I want many, to make sure. Yeah. How many clients is too many. Okay. For like a manager that like, you're not a new manager, but you're, you know, newer in a sense of like, there's a lot well, of managers yeah. in the game for like 20 years. Like that varies too. I think, you know, I can't imagine the workflow keeping up with like more no, than like it, six it gets, artists with every oh, different. Yeah. No, f for me, it's, you know, I, when it comes to really, really, really new like clients that aren't like touring yet and stuff, I really will only take on two at, at, at once. Yeah. Well, yeah, because at first, at, at first it's costing you money to like manage mm -hmm. guys. Like if you're not, if you're an artist, it's not making any money. Essentially, yeah. if you have a, like any sort of team behind you or like an assistant, an intern, a social media person, it's like, it's, if they're not bringing an in income, it's costing you money essentially to oh, manage yeah. them. Oh, yeah. So I would imagine that you can't manage too many of those. Well, and it's really hands on too, because in the beginning, a lot of the artists, they don't really, you know, understand, you know, the concept of, you know, stacking records, um, just the whole business, you know, the, how much rejection there is. Oh know. man. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot of like, you know, kind of handholding in the beginning, but you know, as a former artist, I, I really like, I've always just wanted to be the manager that, you know, I wanted per se, you know, and, so, yeah, I was going to say, like, how, how is that buffer? Like, cause you're pretty much the buffer between them and rejection, right? Yeah. So like when you get, do you like have to like set up this conversation in your head? Like, all right, this label turned down. Up, like, TV. yo, fuck these yeah. fools. Like, <laughs> I don't even need these motherfuckers yeah, anymore. Like, like, how do you, do you like, you're like, you're like, no, we don't want to be there anyway. Like, how do you approach a conversation? Like you send a record yeah. that the artist loves, but the label doesn't love it. Like, how do you. Honestly, I'm, I'm really like really just upfront about it. Um, cause one of my like pet peeves with even dealing with like other people in the industry is like, they'll lag on response just to like avoid, you know, like disappointing somebody. Right, yeah. And for me, I, I'd much rather, I mean, it's just almost like, you know, dating. It's like, you know, I'd rather just be upfront and be like, Hey, like, you know, this is, you know, it's not working, yeah, you know, Hey, like out there and fucking move yeah, on. Like exactly. Like it may hurt in the beginning, but at least like, you're being blunt and honest up front. Right, you know? right. Yeah. So, so in like a new artist, like what do you, you know, like what do you, cause we were like talking to Will and I'm, I was like, what do you, what do you like search for, man? Like, and then like a new artist. And he was like, I search for two things that he needs, right? He was like, I either look for somebody who's a fucking superstar. Yeah. Or I look for somebody who is, ridiculous at producing. He's like, if we can have both, like nightmare has both. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if I have somebody that has both, that's a fucking slam dunk, yeah. but he's like, I need one or the other. So like you're looking for an artist. What, what are you like? Like, Oh shit, this guy caught my fucking eye. Like I, I you know, what, yeah. what are you looking for? So honestly, um, I, I agree with will on those things. Um, I would add one thing to it. Um, for me, uh, I really want to make sure that whoever I work with is, has like realistic expectations and is patient. Yeah. Cause you know, there could be a superstar that freaking takes five years to pop. Yeah. Well, it doesn't but, understand that. It doesn't understand yeah. that. And is like th throwing you on the chopping block after like a few months and they don't have any traction yet. You know, there's people like that out yeah. there, you know? So it's, you gotta, it's, 
Yeah. The workflow for me is the most important, yeah. you know, but yeah, obviously like if it just comes down to just finding somebody, yeah. I mean, so like you you approach an artist, you're like, yo, I want to manage you. Are you like, before I can even think about that, like I need 20 records. Like, are you like, are, is it like that kind of thing or like, are like, how does it, you know, I'm definitely more prone to make someone like official when I have, you know, stuff that I can actually like work on. Right. And which is, you know, content. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you know, say if there's an artist that, you know, I'm talking to and I really think they have potential and they're not sitting in a lot of music, that's when we get in development mode. We're right. like, all right, cool. Like, let's, you know. Are you like hopping in the studio with them? And like, yo, like, let's, let's crank this shit out. Well, like, not in person, but you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll send, you know, let's just say they send me like an MP3 and, and rather than me send like notes or whatever, like a paragraph of notes, I'll just be like, Hey, give me the MP3. I'll throw it in Ableton and I'll splice, I'll slice it up and like, change the arrangement and I'll be like, here, this is what I want to hear. Right. And then they'll either take it or not, but typically it, it helps with the creative process. It's so good that you can do that. You can like yeah. throw that. You can put it into yeah. Ableton. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of managers like our manager, I love him to death, but, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Everyone's got their own, like their own like skills in the beginning. You know, for me, it was like really hands-on creative work. Right. You know, um, that was, I took that and ran, you know, it, exactly. it, I, I learned the touring aspect later, Yeah, but you know, more like, you know, in real time as my guys started to grow. So how does that, how does that, the, the, the touring aspect? So like what, cause when we started, we already had a tour history. Mm-hmm. So I, I've never had to start from ground zero on the touring aspect as a DJ. How do you know what the right, cause it's so about like coming in strong as a headliner or coming oh, in, yeah. you know, like it's such like a weird game. Like how do you know how to play that fucking well, game? Yeah. Like how I does mean, it go? In reality, you know, textbook, everyone wants to like hold out till they're just worth crazy money as a headliner. But at the same time, like if, if you don't ever have that hit, you also need to know how to break an artist from, you know, the ground up and touring and foot, you know, with footprints, right. you know, building value, returning to markets. Yeah, we hear we hear about so many things. Like, I hear so many managers like, "No, you just got to hold out till you're a headliner." And it's like, yeah, but like, what? There, there is another strategy. Like, you yeah. can build I, by supporting and like going higher I, and higher. I treat and it higher. like, like I, you know, I'm a baseball player, and like, I treat it like a, like a baseball analogy. Yeah, I still oh, play. I know I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I play in Sunday league, like wood, like wood bat, not softball. That's sick. Yeah. Um. So, I treat it like you can either be swinging for the fences, like a home run hitter. You know, a lot of big home run hitters also have high strikeout average. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you can be a player that hits for batting average. Right. You know, there's a lot of really big, like Hall of Famer baseball players that had high batting average, exactly. and not a lot of home runs. Yeah. Well, so it's like, it's that, not everybody, yeah. not yeah. everybody's going to be a, a marshmallow story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's just not, it's just not realistic to mm-hmm. think that everyone's going to be like that. Like, obviously there are the guys like that. Like I feel like sudden death came in and he's mm-hmm. just a headliner. Yeah. But it's like not everybody's going to, it's not going to happen with everybody. Yeah, you know but I, I mean, mean, look at artists like, you know, Dirt Monkey and even Liquid Stranger. Like these guys are really doing the business and, you know, they they just get cold followings for, you know, who they are and how they, um, you know, how they're impacting, you know, whatever market they're, they're right. playing in, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I see like, uh, it's like a good example of like somebody like I saw like come up like, you know, a lot, a lot of the house guys, honestly, like, like the Afro Jacks and the mm-hmm. Nicky Romero's and stuff like those guys signed to like David Guetta early on and were like opening oh, yeah. for him. And like Afro Jack played the changeover set at ultra for mm-hmm. 15 minutes. The first yeah. time he played ultra, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. there is a way to like build careers. And I think it's cool that you're like willing to like get in the fucking in the ground and like do that. Well, yeah. And you're not just like, I'm going to find this kid. We're going to 
throw a fucking meme up there and like hope he can headline, you know? Everyone wants that, but you know, I, I, I want to be able to, to do both. I want to be able to fi- find an artist that I think has potential and, you know, make them, make them good, you know, get, make a career for them right. without relying on a hit. But I would also, you know, we're always prepping for a hit, you know, but that I don't want that to like stunt the project. You'd rather a hit take them to the next level as opposed to a hit make their entire career. I mean, it's, it's not even a rather either, or it's just like, I, you gotta be ready for any of it. Like right. if there's an artist I believe in, yeah, obviously we want to always prep for the hit, but I also want to make sure that we're firing on all cylinders, not just on that one. You right. know? I think so, it's, yeah. it's hard for artists to get in that mentality where like, I have to have a hit. I have to have a hit. Cause if you get into that mentality, so much pressure, then you instantly can't release any music because you think everything you do sucks and you're overthinking yeah. it. And then all of a sudden you're like in this weird, like, okay, like I'm fucked. You know well, what and I mean? that's that. And that's only the first part of it. Like think about like when you're hitting up a label for money and you want to get radio promo and when you think it's a, it could be a hit. Dude, like there's so many moving parts. Oh, like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking on labels, like with all your guys, do you feel like, cause a lot of kids now ask us like, Oh, like how do I get signed? How do I get this? And it's like, we're in the conversation a lot now where we're like, you don't necessarily even have to get signed anymore. Like obviously it helps. And I think in base world, it could help if you're like part of a never say die or like mm-hmm. a Ausla or like a, but now there's this whole new business strategy where like, you don't even need to get signed. Like if you could build a self-sustaining business yourself on DSPs, it's like, you don't need a label. Obviously there's like pros and cons for all your guys. Are you going the label route? Do you suggest the label route? Do you suggest the indie route for some guys? Like how do you kind of navigate that situation? So, yeah, I mean, we go the label route. We don't, we don't sign exclusively to anyone. We got some like handshake stuff, you know, they never say die with like company, but you know, he still steps out, you know, they've been, they're really cool about it. You know, they're, they're down for the cause and you know, him growing, um, you know, independent, I think is great if you can do it. Um, but you need to have a certain amount of, you know, size, I would yeah. say if you really want it to be substantial and, you know, yeah. if you really want to like tune core it and expect like plays on Spotify and all that, like there's a lot, there's, I think there's a lot of back end you need, like you need to kind of create like a budget. I mean, unless an artist just ha- magically has money before they're touring, right. like going independence really tough. If you really want to compete with, the labels. Cause you say, if you're independent, you're competing against, uh, you know, some big labels released that week. So they have the if, relationships to put their songs yeah, ahead of any other. Exactly. So out. yeah, I mean, independence great, but if you want to, you know, and I totally condone it, but you just have to keep in mind what you're actually competing with. If you want to play, you have to know the level, <laughs> yeah. you have to know the level of work. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. you got yeah, cool. Put shit out. Great. But like, you know, uh, how is it going to stand against, you know, say a, a spinning track or a never say die track or right. even, I mean, even upstream tracks that are, you know, poking in and out yeah, of dance. No, it know? is true. And like, yeah. yeah, I think, I think a lot of people that go that they're just like, yeah, we're going independent. And it's like, it's like, great, cool. Good, good for you. About, dude. Did you think about what you need to do to do that? You know? Yeah. Cause I saw a lot of, I've seen a lot of guys like leave spinning mm-hmm. and then they like go this like other route and their careers like tank. And they I always don't even come back. It was just they always come back. Story. And I don't even think it's because you can't go independent and be successful. It's because I don't think they understand like, yeah, the label was doing all these things that you didn't even know they were doing and you were complaining the whole time, but now you're on your own and none of those things are getting done and you're seeing the reality of like, oh shit, like I need to shoot my own video. I need to hit up Kramer. Yeah. I need to well, yeah. get a YouTube channel, I mean, all these things. And that's why like, 
you know, say even, you know, when you guys get your label, you know, it's like having someone running, being like, you know, managing, managing the label that that's like your eyes and ears, you know, for, you know, that thing, they're going to be the ones really, I mean, you guys obviously bring in like artists and stuff, but like in terms of all like the knit grit stuff, like the dealing with the, we talk about that all the time. Like the the shit that we're, it's just like, dude, we're not going to do metadata. You know, I'm not going to be sitting on a computer like, all right, well, the metadata, it's like, it's not going to happen. Going back and forth on like legal threads that take for freaking ever. Like, you know, that's, that's your, you know, every label is going to need like, you know, and needs, you know, eyes and ears. A label manager. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And that's what the label manager is. It's the eyes and ears of say, if whether it's the, C- CEO, CFO of the company, or it's the label, or it's like an artist run label, you know, that's, and I'm getting dug on. <laughs> yeah, the dog is going nuts. Hi, buddy. Um, speaking about <laughs> DSPs, one thing I thought is interesting, and you manage predominantly base guys. That's just, yeah, that's just what kind of, what's kind of, you know, been, you know, lucrative on the tour front. I've yeah. obviously, it's I started such a crazy, out it's such yeah. a crazy business thing because we come from like house world and pop yeah. world and stuff like this, so where I, I come D- from yeah, house and pop yeah, as well. But yeah. like our artists, that's where we are, yeah. we live. But the one thing that's so crazy to me is that base artists on DSPs, not really killing it. Like even excision, 400,000 monthly listeners, Yeah. but they sell so many tickets and it's such a weird connection, right? Like, what do you think that is? Like, why, why do you feel like a excision track? Highest track he has is probably 5 million streams, but he can sell 20,000 tickets. What is the... I'll break it down for us. We all come from this world. It's the difference between like the the emo pop and the metal. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, it's like the guys who were, were in emo and were crossing over in that whole rock thing in the early 2000s. They were, you know, obviously selling a lot of tickets, but also like killing it in sales. Right. Whereas like... You know, maybe the metal guys, the, the quota for sales was were a little less on, on records, but they were selling crazy tickets. Yeah. And the dubstep fans are just like metal fans. It's, it's so weird. This is, the loyalty it's is, almost is, like is I feel too. like there's a weird CD store where these dubstep kids are going and buying the well, CDs because it's, it's like, just, where are you listening to the music? You just got to think whole like emo bubble is kind of similar to the dance bubble as, as sure. I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. The and the way it's community is, I feel like it's just so much more loyal. Like those just like metal though, yeah. those 400,000 yeah. streams that excision has on a song. Every one of those streams is from one kid that's going to go to one of his shows. Oh, Do you know oh, what I mean? Rather uh, than you can have a song that has 50 million streams, people can't yeah. bring 100 people to a show. And, and not just you know buy I mean? tickets to the show, but buy all their merch. The merch. You know, so it's like- a fan for life. You know, like That's the 100 fan thing. Like really I mean, dude, Excision just sold 20,000 yeah. fucking tickets at NASA Event Center. And I think literally his highest song has- Five million streams, maybe well, ten, yeah. ten well, million. It's, like, well, would you, it's a hundred fan thing. It's like you know, what would you rather have, like a million Facebook followers, or would you rather have like like a hundred people that'll buy a ticket to every one of your shows and buy every piece of your merch? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's true. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really is like that loyal, diehard, yeah. fucking you know, fan base. Yeah. Obviously. If you guys got a crazy vocal for a company, like yeah. I feel like you'd probably like swing for it. You know, if you had like a hit vocal oh. that you thought was a hit, you'd probably be like, all right, yeah, we're going to give this a fucking shot. Well, yeah. And, and you know, and that's what's cool too is, you know, he's, he's, he's able to invest now because he's been, you know, working really hard touring. He's, he's good with his money. Are you, are you helping these guys like, with finance finances? Are you like, are, are, do they all have business managers? Or are you kind of like stepping in like, Hey, like, Take it from me. Save money for your save taxes. money. Right, right pay now, taxes. Yeah, right now, it's about just keeping the bottom line. And yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're doing they're doing pretty well, but they don't have business managers just yet. Yeah. Um. But we're gonna get there. We want to find the right people, dude. Honestly, we got rid of business managers. Dave yeah. just took over, and it's been such a smoother ride. Like, just for you know, advice to any kid who 
wants a business manager. <laughs> yeah, my dog is about to kill Asante. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not even a necessary. Oh, what's on. in there? It's my keys. Oh, my dog's trying to eat his keys right now. Oh. Hey. <laughs> hey man, calm down. Um, okay. Yeah, for advice for an artist that wants a, a business manager, it's like it's not a it's not a necessary evil, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like you can get by without it and save yourself that five percent. You just have to be on top of you it. Just you just have know? to be on top of it and like understand it. Like yeah. there's gonna be taxes, there's going to be this and that and this and that. Yeah, and it's everyone's like everyone's just different. You know, some people different. are, you know, no matter how much money they make, they're still sweating bills. You know, everyone's yeah. different with their money. Yeah. That's true. Women. So it's like yeah, I mean it's really case by case when it comes to recommending business managers at yeah. any at any level, you yeah. know. So you're from you're from LA? Uh, yeah, born, LA? born we were, we were pretty much grew up like right next to each other. Yeah, yeah, so I grew up in Studio City, like which is like um kind of at the Piedmont bottom of the Hollywood Hills. So what got you like into the music business? Like what like I, like when I met I know that you like come from like a guitar background, like fucking shredding <laughs> yeah. guitar. Like you were like us, you grew up like a metal fucking yeah, kid. Like, hell like yeah. how do you go from you start like bands, I'm assuming, probably like when you're younger. Yeah, I got actually got into producing because you know I know I know music theory and all that stuff. So I, I would be the, I'd be that one band member when I'd be starting bands. I'd write the music for everyone, and it, I got so heavily into like the you know the like metalcore like shredding stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I had trouble like keeping people around or having people I could keep up with like the crazy shit that I was like writing. So I I took to write it all in this thing called Tabit. It was like this like I remember that you dude. could like enter. You could like enter like guitar tabs. Yeah, tab in, it. In, into like and a it software. It would make that weird like, like wannabe a guitar noise too. It sounded like a like a yeah, like a monophonic like like Nokia ringtone. <laughs> but I I didn't realize until college that what what I was doing was was dot was dot work. Yeah. I was I, I was producing music. I was writing full songs in MIDI. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it. And then I got Ableton and I was like, oh, this is like the same shit. Like just way more change complex. the sounds of all yeah. of this MIDI. I just, yeah, created. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so in terms of sequencing, I always had like a leg up, but then it took me, you know, obviously just like everyone else forever to learn how to like process everything and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, and I fell I fell in love with it and that was kind of where it began, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you go like your metal kid, you, you start fucking around in like Ableton essentially, and then you just fall in love with like dance music and you're, your group charity strike was like, it was like big room house pretty much like, yeah. like at the, at the core of it was pretty much big room. Yeah. House. Yeah. We were one of those acts that like, we kind of, you know, we, we won some like B poor remix contests doing bass kind of like some dubstep stuff. And then we jumped into like doing house stuff, like, like kind of the big room thing when that was like happening and got some traction. And then, um, sort of, you know, right. It was, that was really at the tail end when like artists were touring big off of like a big remix or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which was the golden fucking era, man, where all you had to do was make a big remix and it was just like, oh, dude, main yeah. stage ultra, man. We just flipped this fucking Cruella song. Yeah. like Exactly. And, and you know, it, it was, it was cool. We, we had a good like, you, you, you know, year run, like, you know, opening for people and stuff. Like we were getting the right looks. Shout out, you know, Andrew, who's now whipped cream's manager. He was our agent. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he, he he killed it for us, but you know sometimes you know if a project isn't working, it gets hard. You yeah, know? and and you know, I always saw the side of it. You know, like you know the, our manager and, and agent at the time. Like I, I understood, you know, and then I just, I just, I just you know had an epiphany, and then yeah. started to want to work towards 
you know, building actual industry experience and learning the back end. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Which you were, I mean, you, while you were in the project, you were working at Dimmock records too, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. you were tour managing, right? Is that all at the same time or was that a little bit after? Yeah. Mike is, Mike is an all around hustler pretty yeah, much. Yeah, we like to Mike call is it. The, Your story is very interesting. You like went from like being in a metal band, starting like a big room house duo, working at Dimmock, tour managing Borges, like you've done. He's so a renaissance man of EDM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, is a, yeah. uh, Mike might be fucking personal training people right now too. I think I like Mike is a business mogul. Yeah, whatever, whatever I gotta do to survive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're just one of those guys. You've always been one of those guys. We're like this too. Like you like making yourself busy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're the kind of guy that will create jobs for yourself yeah. because you hate not doing shit. Well, yeah. And I'm always one that wants to grow. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very realistic. You know, I'm not gonna ever really feel comfortable, say like, you know, financially or whatever. Like I'm always gonna be like grinding. Right. I'm never gonna, you know, be content with where I'm at. And I'm never too, I'll never really be too like, say like too, I don't know, in a sense, like too big for, for a job or, or somebody. Yeah, I'm too cool always, to like grind it out. Yeah. Comfortable like, to hustle. Exactly. Like I'm always going to want to be there to help people out and be, be on the nit grid of things, you know, and. And you're one of those guys, you go 110. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. Like you, you like you, you're like, all right, I'm going to eat good. I'm going to meal prep seven days a week. Yeah. I'm going to manage. I'm going to manage all these motherfuckers. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to produce. I'm going to produce all the way. Yeah. You like worked at Dimock. You were doing like 13 jobs that you didn't even need to do. You're just yeah. one of those dudes, which, which I like go after a lot. And Dave goes after a lot. Like you're one of those guys. You're not half-assing shit. You're going to go 110 all the time. Yeah. And it's something that we like, we get DMS all the time and kids are like, what do you, what's your suggestion to like making it and this and that. I'm like, dude, this industry, the music industry in general, like being the most talented, it's one thing. I mean, obviously if you're Zed and you're like literally the most talented person in the room, okay. But for the most part, it's can you outgrind the next guy? Oh, like yeah. realistically, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's it's all survival, dude. We're all like entrepreneurs partnering up with other entrepreneurs. You know, like yeah. some of these entrepreneurs are like, you know, have a chair at an office, but it's, you know, we're all just, that's why it's so, so wild west in the music industry, it is the you know, fucking wild west. everyone kind of owns their own operation, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, there's no, yeah. we're, 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 we're just a bunch of degenerates. I mean, realistically, like all of us were just band kids or DJ kids or whatever. None of us are like, none of us are like school smart, like pretty much. We're all pretty like, we're, we're guys that couldn't get our brains to work like everybody else. So we started our own fucking planet (laughs) called the music industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I talk about it all the time. People are like, yeah, this A and R said this or that. I'm like, okay, most likely this A and R was a failed musician. Mm -hmm. So he was like, all right, I didn't make it as a musician. So now I'm going to be A and R. And then now they're like the biggest A and R in the world, let's say, but it's like, he's still a degenerate man. Like it's still a guy who didn't want to get a real job. So he works at a label. I mean, that's, that's the real, you know, like the president of dim records. It's like, he just didn't want to go work at fucking Microsoft or yeah. like wherever, or be a lawyer like everybody else, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's it's it is the Wild West. It's funny that you that's that's a good way to it's put it. It's true. Yeah, man. They all yeah. Everyone. There's not really any rules. You just kind of like the only rule is like just be like nice and respect everybody. And other than that, it's like you don't have to be anywhere any certain time. If you don't want to go to a show, you don't have to go. If you don't mm-hmm. want to go to the office, like. I feel like you don't have to go to the yeah, office. Really, I like, mean, realistic. I've never worked in a music business office, but I feel like people at Dimmock probably just weren't coming to the office. I mean, office I feel like you go there like, like drunk, even. You know what I mean? Like you can show up to your I mean, work. When, when we met with them, it seemed like people in there were drunk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they, they run they run a clean operation, you know, but, you know, they, they, <laughs> they have. Um, 
I mean, they have people working under them that you know, follow the rules and all that. I just wanted to clear that up. They yeah, do yeah, a clean yeah, operation. Nobody at Denmark was drunk. <laughs> Do you, uh, do you still chat with those guys at all? Is it even yeah. the same people there anymore? Yeah, I bump into Lee all the time. I still see Lauren, who is like yeah, we see know, Lauren all yeah. everywhere because he's really close with Austin. So every time we're, we're around, Lauren's Austin, a he's funny there. guy. Lauren's yeah. great. I mean, he was one of the first people to really believe in like me as like an individual, like yeah. in, on on a music industry standpoint. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So you also do um, you like run a lot of people's like broadcast shows too, right? Or I don't even know if you so, do that anymore. Uh, I, I still, you that know, was like your first leg yeah. into like the industry. I feel oh, like. and it kept me alive. Yeah, you know, yeah. Doing, you know, doing the, you know, helping with the Sirius XM shows, engineering, yeah. track listing, whatever. Um, yeah. I feel like it helped you a lot on the A&R perspective of knowing what was a good record because you were just getting so many oh, records. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that was also a way that I, I would discover artists too. I mean, that was how I discovered like Izzy in the beginning. Just getting like a promo for somebody, like kind Some of random promo. I was yeah. like, well, who is this kid? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's always been cool having like my finger on the pulse with that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I never, when it came to like radio production stuff, I, I didn't have, once again, like the passion to like create my own like noise house. I probably, right. I probably could have yeah, yeah. at one point. Or like go work at Sirius XM as like yeah, a programmer. Yeah. It wasn't like your yeah. passion. I, I could have created like a business that competes with some yeah. of these titans, but I just, you know, I, I, I had, I wanted to get into the manufacturing side. Yeah. You know, it was a means so, to an end. It was like yeah. a, it was a, it was a, you paid rent from it, but yeah. it wasn't like your, your exactly. main priority. Yeah. Yeah. It kept me alive for sure. How did you like, how did you like Stop tour? It? Cause you tour managed. Uh... Sorry. I'm talking to your dog here. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> He's biting on my key. You tour managed Borges and like Cruella for a second, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, how did you, how did you find the tour management side compared to like the management side? Um, Really, really, really different. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really just depends on the shared, the shared duties per se. Cause when I was, you know, when I was doing Borges, I was doing his day-to-day management too. Right. So it was like a combined gig. Whereas like Cruella, when I was, you know, helping them out on the road, I was basically just filling in for like a few months. It was cool. I love the girls. Um, but you know, they had, they had their day-to-days at, at basically at base, you know, right. mission control, you know, I'd, I'd go to their day-to-days for everything. I, I you know, so yeah, yeah. So it's a different, just a different lifestyle, pretty much. Different managing lifestyle. And tour managing. Yeah, I mean, it's basically you know you're you're the artist assistant on the road. Yeah, you yeah. know, and then that that's cool. You know, I I I I think it's a great rewarding gig. Um, and I recommend anybody that really wants to like learn the back end of the industry and touring to get into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah I learned. I, I really wanted to have you on here because a lot of kids don't know how to get from like A to B, and it's like your story really is like an A to B story. It's like mm-hmm. it's like local band kid to touring DJ yeah. to the label side of things to tour manager to full-time manager. It's like you really went yeah. up the fucking mountain like yeah. in a way, you know, I didn't, I didn't come from, you know, I mean, my, my mom is a big TV writer, you know, but like I, you know, the film, it's not as like entrepreneurial, you know, you work for the studio. So I didn't come from like a really entrepreneurial family. Right. And so I had to figure all this shit out like on my own. Yeah. And so it, it just, it took a little longer, but yeah. I'm finally kind of rolling with the, you know, the freedom per se. Yeah. And exactly. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I mean, I guess for, uh, to wrap it up, like a kid writes you, wants to be a manager. You're like, all right, you, you don't know anything about it. What's like your go. All right. This is how you start. Like, let's, let's get the fucking ball rolling. Um, so you, you, so you're saying like a, like a kid. Yeah. That, a kid that, comes to you. He's like, I want to be a what's manager. His first step? What's, yeah, what's his the first step? step? Like, how do you, how do you get going? Um, I would try to work 
Uh, I would try to get like an, it's, it's like a young kid or like a student. I would try to get like an internship or, um, you know, like, like a gig working at one of these, these companies, say like a red light or a UTA, I mean, or a label even, you know, you'll either one, you'll learn about the, the label side, you'll learn about the manufacturing side, or you learn about the booking side. And then from there, really get good at one of those. And then from there, if you would say, if you want to be a manager, use that one edge you have and then learn them you go as you go. Yeah. But, yeah. but you got one really, one really strong strength that can help an artist in the beginning. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Well, thank you for stopping by, Lasanti. Young Mike oh, in the house. Guys. Did you oh, yeah. lift today? Did you already work out? I did, but I, I got I got to the gym, man. I, I gotta, gotta go now. No, I, I didn't go yet. Yeah, yeah, I didn't go yet. I woke up a little late and I didn't get to go, so I'm gonna go after this. Hell yeah! But yeah, thanks for stopping by, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I like yeah. how Dave does the rock signs to the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, peace, bitch. <laughs>